Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Dope Black Woman podcast, the podcast where we share stories of black excellence as part of our safe digital sisterhood. I'm Leanne Levos. I'm Rashan. You can call me Shan. I'm Livs. This week, we're going to be discussing what does it mean to be pro-Black? Okay, so as I said, this week we're discussing what it means to be pro-Black, which is a phrase that is sometimes really divisive, sometimes political, sometimes controversial. Um, When you hear it, you might think about relationships or pop culture or music or whatever, whatever. But the actual official definition of pro-Black is a lifestyle that encourages the economic growth and development of Black people as a whole with the purpose of increasing the wealth and population of Black people around the world. So, with that being said, when you hear the phrase pro-Black, what do you guys immediately think of? Mm. It's, it's funny because I think that's the first time I've ever actually heard an official definition of the term. Mm. Um, but for me... Um, that kind of sums it up quite adequately, actually. I do think that essentially if you are a person that tries to live your life in a way that encourages the development of your community, um, that kind of makes you pro-Black. But I do think it's more along, like, I don't think it's either you are pro-Black or you're not pro-Black. I think there's kind of a continuum and there are extreme versions on either side. And mm. I guess people fall where they where they where they want to or where they can Rochelle what do you think um <laughs> I don't know I think for me when I think of like I'm not, I'm not really a fan of the word when I think of it it just reminds me of like lots of angry people going out to do these rallies and marches and being at the forefront of all these issues surrounding like black culture and stuff I think for me I, I find it a bit uncomfortable because I feel like although it's not meant to be like this it feels like it's something that's anti-white in the same way that feminism isn't meant to be anti-men, but sometimes, depending on who you're interacting with that calls themselves a feminist or what they're talking about, it can feel like it's anti-men. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is the problem with, um, I guess, like society in general, is that so many subcultures, whether that's religion or whether that's just a belief, gets like hijacked by extremists in one way or another. So like you said, it could be feminists that hate men or it could be black people that hate white people or it could be Christians that hate atheists like it always feels like extremists tend to get the most because they're the loudest their voices are heard the most 
Mm-hmm. No, I definitely think that there are obviously, as I said, there are extremes. But and I do think that the term often is perceived in that way. Like people often say that very saying pro-black means anti-white. But I don't actually think of it in that way. I just think, as I said, because there are some people who I consider pro-black but are not as don't have the same approaches to being pro-black as I do. You know what I mean? And I think it's a really broad term under which many people fall you know mm-hmm. mm. I mean can I chime in here yeah for you for those of you who have not heard her voice before Leanne yes there are two Leannes is our <laughs> producer and, and she will also be a part of this episode um so I kind of agree with what you are all kind of saying I it's so funny because when we talk about kind of being inclined in a certain way whether that be feminist or pro-black it always seems to have some sort of negative connotation in a way like associated with um, fighting something or being angry against something which is a shame that it can be perceived in that sort of way but I think in terms of being pro-black because that is how the world sees you in the first instance I would say that I myself am pro-black and for me that just means like carrying yourself in the world with pride and bringing other black people up with you on that journey so that's kind of Mm. how I kind of see it and it could be like something really simple like I would say me wearing my afro out in a corporate environment is pro-black like not because that was it though well there was definitely a point where I felt like I had to straighten or that just you being Olivia um I guess it's both it is definitely both but there's definitely a race element because there definitely was a point where I thought oh I should probably straighten my hair and I don't feel like that anymore. Yeah, but so yeah, but that's to do with microaggressions, though. Yeah, but it's still it's still within the context of race, right? Yeah, but I'm saying you you choosing to wear an afro does that? I don't get it. So if some, I don't get it. I guess she wouldn't have you choosing to be an afro have anything to do with being pro-black. Because I guess she she had she had the choice to wear it straight, right? Like, lives. Did you? Yeah, like I definitely. What I'm saying is, like, I definitely used to think I'd be taken more seriously if I didn't have this big afro on my head, which is obviously um, connected to being black. But then choosing Mm. to do that is kind of fighting against the norm. So what I'm saying is, like, being pro-black can sometimes be very subtle. Mm. Because you're normalising. Yeah, you're normalising blackness in a space where it's not normal yeah yeah, exactly so it doesn't always necessarily have to be marching and protesting like it could be very subtle ways that you're embracing your blackness Mm. that's interesting i wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't associate that with being pro-black what do you associate with being pro-black shan Outside of the extreme, like the marches and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I only look at it. Like I feel like when I've spoken to people who say they are pro-black, they normally, whether they choose to accept it or not, become they very sound very much anti something else. As if they were having the conversation with me and I'm black, if a white person was there, probably wouldn't be using the same words or using it or um, structuring the sentences in the exact same way. But with what Liz is saying, I do get. So like I've I've worked with a lot of I spoke about on the podcast before a lot of white, I think it was episode one, and I spoke about I would never, like, dim my blackness. So when I worked in a, mm-hmm. I remember I spoke about the team that I worked on that was, like, all white, other than, like, one black girl who wasn't really black, not to be rude. Like, she wasn't fully black, I mean, and she, 
She wasn't black in it. But basically, <laughs> I worked with her. And um, even though everyone was like completely different social class from me, so everyone was like middle class or upper class. They've been to like Cambridge, or Oxford and all these sorts of places. I kind of felt like I, I wanted to be more black and see more blackity black in, when I was around them so that I didn't like end up conforming. Mm. Do you get what I mean? Mm. So when Liz was talking about wearing an afro, I wouldn't go out of my way to be like, to put on that telephone white voice when I was at work to fit in. Mm-hmm, I would just mm-hmm. talk how I talk, mm. which yeah. some people may be deemed as black or some people would just deem as I'm from the end and I'm from Croydon. Do you get what I mean? So I, that's, that's what I'm saying. I understand what Liv's done and what Liv's was saying. And I relate to it a lot. I just didn't realise, I just didn't look at it in a way as like, that was trying to be pro back. But even what we do, I mean, even this whole concept of dope black woman, I think like if someone were to ask me if I thought that Roshan was, if Shan was pro-black or if any of us were pro-black, I would say yes, just by virtue of the fact that we have a platform whereby we encourage and try to empower black women, you know? Yeah, but I think for me, I think when it comes to it, is that like, I don't, I think I've said about this before again, gosh, I'm repeating myself, but like, I don't ever want to be like labelled or defined as anything, mm. like, I want to be Roshan. Mm. So yeah. if I have characteristics that appear as empowering women or empowering whoever, that's because for Shan is someone who empowers others. Right. Do you know what I mean? I feel so that. I feel like when I I feel like some people that are pro-black, they do things that are not genuine. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They they do it because they want to appear exactly. pro-black. I don't want to ever I don't want to ever live my life not being authentic and organic to Shan. So like I'm someone like I know I'm far from perfect, but I admit to most of those flaws. Like if someone wants to be like oh Shan. Like, I know I have a tendency to come across quite blunt or, or quite rude. And it's never, like, my intention, but I know that it does happen. And if someone wants to say to me, oh, Shannon, this situation, that happened, blah, 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 blah. If I apologise, it's not because I'm trying to be a nice person. Mm. It's because I'm just accepting my wrong because that's who, that's just what Shan does. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. I don't want to ever feel guilty for not going to a march or a protest or, like, feeling pressured mm-hmm. to not go into the local black coffee shop over going to Greg's just because I want to be seen as I'm supporting my black brothers and sisters or feel like, or feel like I am. Do you get what I mean? I feel like sometimes having... This is just for me, though, personally, but I feel like sometimes having these labels kind of make you not do things as organic and authentically. And even going off what you were saying, Leanne, about, like, this group. So I feel like mm-hmm. I'm proper proud to say, like, along with yourself, that I run Sorry. Black Women. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's such a sick... Like, a, such a sick thing. And it, it makes me even, like, the journey of running it, which has been, like, I don't know how long, nearly a year, Almost. has made me, like, so proud and so excited to be Black. I've learned so much. I've met so much sick people on the journey of it. But when I'm in, like, white spaces, it's not as easy for me to say I run it. So I've never dimmed it down. Mm. Like, I've never not said my podcast is called Dirty Black Women. And I've never not said I run this account. I tell everyone because I'm so proud of it. But it's not as easy to say it in white spaces as it is Black spaces. And for me, the only reason why it's not as easy is because I think if I say dope black women, they're going to think I'm pro-black and think I'm one of those angry black women that hate white people, Mm. as opposed to it being what it actually fundamentally stands for. Do you get what I mean? 100%. That's interesting, though, because, like, I will fully shout about being part of dope black women and, like, dope black in general, like, to whoever, whether that be in white space, black space, or whatever, but I don't really feel any type of way when I'm sharing that in white spaces I understand that they may not say quote-unquote get it as much um as like black spaces but I just find that interesting that you say that you've you kind of feels like that comes across as being the, the angry black woman 
No, maybe angry is the wrong word. What I mean is, I come across, I come across, I'll then come across Militant. being pro black, and then with being pro black, there's a lot of connotations that not everyone views as that some people view as, which come across that as the things that I was talking about at the very start of the podcast. That's what I mean. I don't mean like they're gonna hear dope black come and think, oh, she's angry. I don't mean that. I mean they're gonna hear, they might hear dope black, not everyone, but they might hear it and then be like, oh, she's pro black, and then from that, the negative connotations that come with it. But actually, Dave Black Woman isn't anything to do with that. Mm. I would say that um, what I find interesting in this conversation is, obviously, I'm mixed race. Um, and I think I've established on the podcast before, we've spoken about how you can be mixed race and black because blackness is kind of the way people see you, the way you move through the world and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, like, I definitely can feel that tension because um, I sit in, like, both camps on the side of the fence definitely there have been occasions where I spoke about blackness and I can see it does make white people feel uncomfortable but at the same time I've had experiences where I've acknowledged my whiteness and I might say something like oh I love shepherd's pie or I love this or I love that and they're like oh you're so white and it's like that's just as problematic but you guys will never get called out on it do you see what I mean like Mm -hmm. you don't have to live your life by doing everything basically yeah, because of your race. Yeah, like yes, race can impact your everyday life, but you don't have to make every single decision based on the fact you're black. You don't have to be like, I'm only going to shop in these foods. I'm only going to do that because then you're living by this like it's so tired. You're, you're, it's so you're living by this imaginary guidebook rather than as Rashan says, being authentic. So I definitely see it from both sides of but the fence. I think that's just again. I think that just speaks to the continuum because some people their blackness is so embedded in who they are that they feel like it's important to them it's like if you're environmentally conscious right you're not gonna you're gonna make sure that you recycle Mm. which is on some level a sacrifice for some people but some people think that their blackness is important enough to them and the way they like supporting black businesses is important enough and that I don't think if you don't support black businesses it makes you not pro-black I just think that there are different levels some people don't Mm -hmm play some people don't allow race to play a role in politics you know some people do and that's because they think that politics and race are intertwined and that it's somehow important to the development of the whole community you know some people don't some people vote purely on economics um so i think and the same with relationships some people don't think that some people think they can be pro-black and date outside the race some people don't you know but I think it's interesting because for me I, again like like Leanne said I don't I don't necessarily feel that tension and I don't know if it's because I'm mixed as well but I don't know if it's because I'm not white black mixed you know that I don't feel that tension I just I guess I just wholly identify as black in most instances you know so it's it's interesting I think what you're saying about black businesses is interesting especially in a time that we're in at the moment where obviously we want to support um, black businesses but just given all the restraints on anything sometimes that's just not possible um what do you, how, how do you guys feel about black businesses supporting in them and investing in them and like you mentioned it briefly before Leanne but like does that mi- diminish um how quote-unquote pro-black you are if you don't necessarily support black businesses so it's like for me like I will go and get my hair products at PAX. I know it's run by Asian people, but it's convenient, it's reliable, and that's just where I go. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. 
No, I don't. Th- I again, like, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think, if, for instance, I think it's also about capacity, right? Black hair shops, for instance, where they are available because they're more, lim- they're definitely limited relative to um, Asian hair shops or Asian-run hair shops. Um, if you can afford to spend more money and it's important to you, then you should. You know what I mean? If there was a, a PAX right beside the house and another black hair shop beside the house, then I would be surprised if you didn't go to the black hair shop, you know? Unless, even if it was a lot more money? No, no, no. Let's say they were evenly priced, everything. Like if everything oh, oh, was on the yeah. equal playing field, I would be surprised yeah. if you didn't go to the black hair shop. You know, that yeah. to me would be yeah. strange. But um, some people don't mind spending a little bit more money because they feel like it's feeding back into the community mm. or they don't mind going a, an extra couple of blocks or ordering it for someone on the WhatsApp group said that they order it from their hairdresser and they just wait a mm. little bit longer and they spend a little bit more money. I don't necessarily do that either. Like I don't seek, seek out black hair shops specifically. I, I will go to just the random hair shop that I find in Barking or in mm-hmm. or in Romford but there are other ways that I think I significantly contribute to the black community you know what I mean pretty much everything mm. else you know what I mean whether it's like my profession and the research that I do feeds back into black communities the fact that we run dope black women so I think it's I think it's relative and I think they're you know mm. I just yeah mm. I think everybody has a way in their own way of contributing to the black community if you don't contribute at all <laughs> then that to me is where we have a mm. problem and mm. also about um, just hair shops. So it's also it's also interesting because it's it's such a personal um, perspective on like how you define what is your community and what is community. Because like, so my hairdresser is white. Um, she has mixed race children, so like she knows what she's doing with my hair. I've gone to her for like ten years, so I'm not going to suddenly now be like, "Oh, bye, Angela." I've moved on. (laughs) (laughs) I need to be in my black Also, she's a single mom. She's a single mom on a low income, and I go to her house. So to me, I'm putting her. I'm putting money straight into her pocket. That to me is a good deed. Do you know what I mean? I don't like. And race doesn't play a factor in that exchange. Yeah, I I think it it just goes down to you being organic Mm. to who you are. Kind of like what we said before. And like picking off of what both the Leanne said, I think obviously people spoke about it in the WhatsApp group as well. But I think it is, um, as Leanne said, it is relative. So like I go to, it's not called Pax. I think it's Sabina's down here. I don't even know. But oh, I yeah, go to yeah. Sabina's. I pay about £50 every three months. But then my bundles are, and that's obviously an Asian-owned company. But then the bundles that I'm buying are from a black hairdresser. That's like one fifty. Then to get it installed, that's like £90. I'm, I'm currently doing a social media campaign highlighting black businesses. My now and last lady are both black. I work for a company that serves black audiences. Like, <laughs> I'm blacky black, 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 black. <laughs> <laughs> if someone's going to say I don't support black businesses, can I choose to... Um, I'm not saying anyone in the group did say that. I'm just saying, like, generically speaking, like, largely yeah. speaking. But if someone wants to think, oh, because you don't pay extra money to get your hair greased, and your sheer moisture shampoo, <laughs> then you're going to talk black businesses. Like, I'm not going to engage in that conversation. Like, shut up. Because like, <laughs> a lot of these people, no, but it's true, a lot of these people say these outlandish statements, but then in other areas of their life, they're not doing the same thing. Like, you're the same person who'd be on Twitter slagging off Jamaican food shop, their service is bad. Okay, but you're anti-supporting black businesses now. Yeah, because like, you're got, going you out of your way, yeah. Do you get what I mean? Like, you, you, you can't on one hand be like, I do all of this great stuff, but I'm going to tag off the businesses online. Like, 
it, it needs this is what I'm trying to say it's about being organic to who you are so if in your if it's if naturally to you mm. yeah that's what I'm saying what else can I say we're going to go off to a different subject so we'll let's move to, to relationships because relationships is a very interesting one um particularly I think it's fair to say with black men who date white women um and you know there's so much to be said about this and there's so many different perspectives but one of the things that really irritates me and again this happens on twitter i don't know if people would actually go and say this to someone's face in the street i doubt it but you know a mixed Mm. a um sorry an interracial couple will upload a picture and you can guarantee someone's got something to say you might not know this couple at all so i don't know what you're even basing it on that to me is not pro-black because it's not productive and it's not positive yeah i don't believe in slagging off anybody for their choices Mm, yeah like i think again for me it goes back to this like context really matters because i think there are people who fall in love and those people happen to um be of different nationalities or different ethnicities different races and that's perfectly okay what I have a problem with is the far left extreme, well, not the left extreme, but the far extreme of where people go out of their way to date outside mm-hmm, their race mm-hmm. because they don't think that black women or black men are not good enough. Mm. That to me is a problem because that's the opposite of pro-black, which is mm-hmm. self-loathing. That's where, yeah. and for me, like just as my personal choice, I choose to date within my race. I have dated outside my race before, but for me, I don't plan to settle with anyone who, but mm. I have friends who are in the in re- I'm I'm a product of an interracial relationship. Obviously, I have friends who are interracial relationships, and I don't think that makes them not mm-hmm. pro-black. It's just my personal choice. Leanne, know? this whole conversation just triggers me so much because <laughs> triggers. I just I will never forget. There's um a guy that I used to work with, and. He was so pro-black in everything he did, the way he dressed, the things he spoke about, like everything. He yeah. was so like, well, how do you dress pro-black? Like, <laughs> kind of well, yeah, African-COVID like African prince. <laughs> now or... and again, like he was that kind of guy, um, like dressed everything, mm. and like he would talk about his girlfriend all the time, like talk about how amazing she was and like how they're moving, they would do this, do that, literally talk about it all the time. And for some reason, because of the impression that he gave me, I built up this picture in my head of this, you know, strong, powerful, incredible black woman. And then I meet her one one day and she turned out to be Chinese. And I was... <laughs> sorry, I shouldn't know. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's not... And that's it's not a bad thing. thing at all. It, that's, that's what Shan is talking about, though, is being inorganic and being exactly. inauthentic. Like, no, that how? is the how? definition of pretending to be pro-Black. No, because if you are so extreme, like if you are constantly... I know Black men who will encourage Black women not to date outside their race, but date white but women. in this example, yeah. like, he can be all for human rights, Black rights, da 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 and he just happened to fall in love with a Chinese woman. I don't understand the problem with that. That, that. that wasn't the problem. It's not, everyone has a preference and that's absolutely fine. The problem was when I asked, asked him about his preferences and how he feels about being in relationships with black women, his answer, oh, okay. he, first he could really get an answer. <laughs> and then the was, he just feels like he could never be good enough and is basically intimidated by black oh, okay. women. That's, 
that's a, that's a whole no, other, he's got that's a whole other world. Pay that he needs to go and work on. Um, if we could direct him to Hearts to Heart Therapy, <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> but just quickly on this note, yeah, I feel like, especially with like, I see it a lot on Instagram and like Shade Mama and these accounts that I probably shouldn't follow. But there's a lot of pressure for black men in particular to date black women now. I love black Chocolata. men. Chocolata. I love them. I love it. <laughs> and I, 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 I don't see myself as anyone other than black men. Honestly, like any, anybody else, nothing's wrong with them. But black men are just my heart, you know, they're my soul. <laughs> but I do find it some, I just want your opinion on this, yeah. But I do find it somewhat problematic. But every time the footballer they post, everyone will be like, oh, she's light skin. Or be a rapper. <laughs> oh, of course, she's light skin, not dark skin. We hate. They hate black dogs. Shut up. I'm so sorry. I'm so tired of it, yeah? I feel like if we keep pressuring these footballers to not date who they want to date, we're just going to make them be black women who are dark-skinned, who are heart, who are whoever, whatever box you want them to fit in. And just being angry and upset. But here's the thing, though. I have to say that this is where the whole issue of colorism and everything comes in. The stats do prove that black men, the more... Um, you know, the the more they climb the financial ladder is the less likely they are to marry black women. And I mm-hmm. think when you talk to those men, they're not the random man that just kind of, as you, as I said earlier, buck up a white woman or buck up a Chinese woman or whatever, whatever and just happen to fall in love. You know what I mean? They're, mm-hmm. When you talk to many of these men and many, just even when there's an, actually a, a video on YouTube, I'm going to have to look it up where you, there's literally just an interviewer just interviewing black boys and particularly dark-skinned black boys as well, this interviewer focused on. And literally the the way they were slagging off black women, black women smell, dark-skinned women are not attractive. What? I want a brown thing so I can have children with pretty hair. Like, it is a real issue. If you no, just, I get that. You know but everyone, I mean? attacking, everyone attacking, like, the random footballer who's put on the shade bar, it doesn't mean that that's their issue or that's their stance. Because For sure. even if, even if largely the stats say that, which I already know, so I completely get, the, 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 the motive of them going out of their way to, to attack these people online, that's not positive and it's not progressive. It's not going to change who they're with. I completely agree. <laughs> like, I don't believe in slagging off Especially anybody. if they fit in that box, especially if they're someone who go out of their way to not date people that are dark-skinned or not date people, or date people that have, like, quote-unquote, good hair, especially if they're like that, Yeah. Them being in those comments is not going to do anything anyway because they're already like that. Do yeah, I don't I mean? believe in slagging off anybody, but I do think it's important for us to have the conversation. And sometimes in having the conversation, we do highlight certain people because they fit into that category. And mm. maybe sometimes without knowing their life story because they're celebrities and they're open to that kind of critique, it's just kind of part of the package. I mean, like I said, everyone has a preference. For me, it's kind of just. I'm just wondering why there is such a pattern of especially darker skin, like footballers, rappers, celebrities, whatever, having a preference for light-skinned or white women. That's just something I just can't seem to get my head around because it just seems to be a pattern that's just not changing. So then, like, the question is, um, if someone is, you know, colorist, like, if someone is openly you know, someone who would say, for argument's sake, you know, I'm not aiming at any particular celebrity, but there are definitely people who have had lyrics or whatever where they've openly made it clear they're not attracted to dark-skinned women. How do you, how do you, Mm. how do you even start a conversation with someone like that? How do you avoid just 
shouting into a vacuum where you're just shouting into an echo chamber of people that already agree with you without it being as Roshan said without just being a strep mm-hmm. attack because they're not going to listen to that argument either um do you know what I mean it's mm-hmm. like it's like the constant battle of most things of racism of feminism like how do you actually get people mm-hmm. who need to listen to actually listen without feeling like they're just being attacked but I think for a lot of them it's subconscious you know yeah I don't think a lot of people actively think you know what yeah my knees are amazing. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that. Like from from when I was in school, there was particular girls, mostly the mixed race girls, mostly the girls that come under the category of light lighties or light skins, whatever. Those are the girls that more got looking or more got checked for. So naturally, if you was in that environment as a guy, and then you tend to have the same friends since you've grown up, you might still have that same mindset, like that. That those mm-hmm. are like the superior girls or the girls that and and like. Um, what's the thing called? Like, like the best girls to attain. They'll come across a podcast like this, and they'll be like, hmm, "I think actually, I understand now that my some of my views are problematic." I just, I just think that. Um, I mean, obviously, I think a this is a product of slavery and colonialism. Like, literally, it's been embedded within our our history to disassociate ourselves with being uh, with dark the darker the worse it is you know what I mean I think the aspiration to whiteness is built in within our history and so I think that's something which now has as Shan just pointed out has become subconscious but for me and I do understand that people have choices and people again as Leanne said that people have preferences I just find it really difficult to know that you're a black man who was raised by a black woman or has black women in their family and you don't think that black women are not attractive like you don't have to marry a black woman you don't have to fall in love with a black woman but for you to say that black women are ugly which is kind of the narrative that is pain that is popular in in many instances like I've certainly heard many women men, many men say that and when I say black women I'm referring to dark-skinned black women usually with natural hair um and that they prefer to date lighter skinned women or they just have a preference for girls with long hair. I find that very like it boggles my mind because your mm. mom is a black woman with an afro, mm. but you don't like you only like brown skinned girls with like curly Stop hair. It. How that work? Your mom said don't get curly yeah. But she's your mom, like and how is it that all black girls smell? Like I've literally heard somebody say, yeah, like, no, I don't fuck I don't... with black girls because they what? smell funny. What? Honestly, makes really? no sense. I'm a black person. Yes. When white people are the ones out here not washing their hands. I was going to... Oh, my God. All their hands. About to sing happy birthday twice. <laughs> I was going to go back to what you said, Sean, because you said that boys, especially when they're growing up, kind of going for light-skinned girls is a subconscious decision I actually think it's a conscious decision because um especially like when I was at school and I grew up in a probably white area it was like the blonde hair blue-eyed girls they were always made out to be superior and the black girls were inferior like we were called ugly at school this is the dope black women podcast what do you guys think about it the other way round? Do you think that white men and white women can be pro-black in terms of relationships? Definitely, yeah. Being pro-black isn't something that um, like the black community owns. And I think some people would find that uncomfortable, but it's the truth. Like, I would definitely consider myself an, um, an ally of the LGBT community. 
so I think it's the mm. same same idea yeah, yeah, yeah. really white yeah. people can like white people can come to Black Lives Matter marches like it's all good do you know what I mean definitely Thank you. That was a really good um, <laughs> comparison. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, why is it? When you said that, I was like, oh, I take it back. <laughs> I definitely think white people can be pro-black, regardless of what context, whether it's relationships or anything else. But I do think the way you navigate your space as an ally is different from how a black person would navigate a pro-black space. Like for me, as an ally of an LGBT community, for instance, there are certain things that I think people who have oh, lived yeah. experience 100%. are best prepared yeah, yeah, or best yeah. suited to speak yeah. on you know and yeah. so I so like yeah so like our friend Rachel Dozo our friend our good that's your friend <laughs> oh god but yeah like she is clearly somebody who is as Shan has so aptly coined it inauthentic and is not living what her, life is living at her the tree colors so i haven't really um, heard anything from her in a good couple of years yeah side note has anyone seen bad baby lately no 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 she, danielle brigoli from um dr phil was like catch me outside have a dick bro on no? instagram live and this girl was brown as brown brown like darker than me like <laughs> I was so lost, and she's also oh, had no. surgery. She's got the big lip. She's got, she's got the hip. She's got it all going on. And honestly, she looks like a completely different person. It's so weird. Like oh, no. that kind of thing is oh, makes us think cool because literally, like you can't tell. That's not even your shade, boo. <laughs> <gasps> you know what she's doing. <laughs> I've just looked on her profile. She's like, she's like 100% blackfishing right there. And this is what I'm saying. Like, you're going too far with those sort of things. Do you get what I mean? Well, yeah, so I definitely <laughs> don't think she would count as an ally. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, it's just, it's just my, I think people just need to understand people's like safe spaces. So, like, with the analogy that Liz was using about being an ally of the LGBT community, that's definitely, that's definitely something that I would say I resonate with. So even as far as when I was in Antigua, I did work experience and the um, director manager of the company that I worked with, he was basically homophobic, as you might expect, with where I was. And we were going blows back to foot, back and back, arguing, 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 arguing. And because we was arguing about like our views towards it and our attitudes towards it. And then I just felt like, felt like it was a losing battle because of the massive culture difference and stuff. So it's like, I always go out of my way to educate people about like, the experiences of LGBT people people that are in the LGBT community based on what my friends have told me who are in that mm. but I would never then be like let me go and sit on a panel and talk about it do you know what I mean mm. like why on earth would I be there I would never like exactly like, invade the spaces that's meant to be for them and I think that's where it becomes problematic and that's when it also becomes like who are you doing it for like when I do when I'm trying to talk to people to you know give them a wider perspective on their views around um the LGBT community I'm not doing it and then tweeting about it like I'm doing this guys or doing it and then mm. putting it on Instagram I do it organically and authentically because it's something that yeah. I'm passionate about mm, exactly. and that kind of goes back to my thing about being pro-black when I support black businesses or black women it's not because like I want someone to be like mm. yes you all four of us and to start fist pumping because I want to support black businesses and black women mm. do you know what I mean 100%. yeah you should always do it with the right intention yeah and I, I agree like white people and just anyone in general can be pro-black the same way that we can be pro 
and queer and all these other things like I have a friend who is a white guy married to a black woman and we have some really interesting conversations about kind of race and being an interracial relationship and kind of the um, cultural differences and when he eventually has children kind of what it will be like for him as a white man bringing up black children in that world so I really think it's just it is mostly about having that understanding of those different cultural experiences and that empathy and sympathy as well because like he fully understands that he is an entitled white like white man by default and his children will not the world will not see them in that way at all because to the world they will be black passing they will be black even though that they will be mixed race so so yeah anyone can be pro black and i just hope that many I hope that many mixed race couples have that conversation yeah. and have those conversations. And I think if you are going to date outside of your, your race and you are pro-black, that white person or that Asian person or that mixed person has to be close as close to it, as invested as you are or as close as possible to being as mm. invested because you're going to raise you black kids. These conversations. <laughs> I always think about Vic's mom Vic. and just how lit she was. Aww. Whose mom? Vic. In the first episode, oh yeah, because yeah, like, Vic's mom, mom used to make jollof rice and yeah, I, yeah, I just think that's yeah. such, such a lit. Like that, I'm I'm so inspired and taken back by that story. And every time we talk about like things around the like, interracial um, couples or dating, I always just go back to that moment when we were in the studio. Hundred percent. And I I don't think mom. anybody could argue that Vic's mom is not pro black. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like <laughs> it's just she was clearly invested in making sure that her children knew who they were. Hmm. so um when you guys bring this up to your white friends like just blackness and being pro-black what kind of um comments do you get um I'm quite lucky because I mean as I've gotten older the friendship circle has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller as I'm sure mm-hmm. some people can relate to um but I do have a lot of um white friends just from where I grew up and going to uni and stuff and the friend the white friends I have that are closest in my circle I am comfortable enough to be able to talk to them about um issues to do with race and like microaggressions and things like that so they understand my personal black experience and they are sympathetic to that I have other friends who as time has gone on I've realized are not sympathetic to that and have as a result kind of faded out of my life kind of I've done that very consciously. Um, blocker, 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 blocker. blocker. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Leanne? <laughs> um, so it's interesting. I was saying this to Leanne earlier, <laughs> is that I don't have any white British friends. Like, I don't have any white English friends. <laughs> and I don't know if that's just because of you know the fact that when I came here I went into my master's into a really small program and no I, I, I'm sure I've had the opportunity I have one white friend and her name is also Leanne <laughs> and she is uh with a black man and makes like curry goats and rice and oh. peas on a Sunday so I don't know if she counts like she's very 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 invested in black culture um but all of my other white friends are American. And so I think because Americans generally, or the Americans that I have interacted with anyway, are much further along in terms of how comfortable they are talking about race and and differences in ethnicities and all that kind of thing. I think I'm I'm pretty safe with them. Like they we crack jokes all the time. 
um I'm very comfortable with them they get it I don't really need to explain or I've never been in an instance where I needed to explain but yeah I don't know about England because I don't really as I said I don't I don't have many white friends I don't have any I'm not I don't think I really have conversations about black issues that much with my friends in general as some people other other black women might except for my friends who are like quote-unquote pro-black um, I think with my white friends, generally, um, generally, I would say that they're quite understanding of my black experience. But that's simply because we've been close since like I was ten, or we've shared similar experiences, or I've been with them and been turned away from a club because I've been black. So mm. because of that, it's like they're able to see it for themselves, sort of thing. Or for some of them, they have a lot of int- they have a lot of genuine interest in black politics and in things that mm. surround that conversation. So they're very educated on the stuff around it. Mm. So like for example, some of them could be on this podcast today and be dashing up bare stats because it's something that they really have gone out of their way to learn. So like um, Liv might remember this actually. I produced a talk show that was around um, what it's like uh, like mental health and black men. And one of my white male friends actually came. I didn't ask him to come. But because he knew I was doing it and he wanted to support me, he went out of his way to travel from Birmingham to London uh-huh. to watch this two-hour this two-hour talk show that I did that was on a 10 p.m. Oh. on a Sunday, yeah. And when he came, he genuinely was interested and invested in the subject. And mm. like afterwards, he gave me feedback about it. He spoke to me about what he learned. And one of the guys on the panel was Derek Arusu, who wrote the book Safe. He went on to buy his book. So okay. it's like I think for me, I've been quite lucky in that the friends that I've had have either been there directly of experiences for me, so I don't need to have like, a big conversation with them afterwards, but we both can see it, or they are people that actively go out and educate themselves anyway. That's good. I mean, I think like people, like-minded people hang yeah. out together, right? It's I can't imagine any of us hanging out with someone <laughs> who's like... A racist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I or just is completely, completely ignorant. You know what I mean? Like... Even if it's not like I hate black people, but it's just like I don't really get it. I I would mm. find it difficult to hang out with someone and to be friends with somebody mm. who just doesn't want to know more. Well, this is it. You know what I mean? I know you watch. I've Sanders never watched right Sanders in my life. <laughs> you guys are really racist. <laughs> you know. so everyone needs to do. Everyone needs to start watching Sanders. Okay, because of quarantine, I've actually stopped. I want to binge it all together, but you need to all watch it. They talk about the storyline right now. Let me just quickly tell you. So. Keegan's a young black mixed race boy and he's experienced a lot of issues that a lot of young black men in London experience, so like being stopped by the police, having his application turned down, and it's really, really strong, but he thinks it's because of his age and he's black, blah, 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 blah. Keegan's about 20 or 21, but he's married to Wait, Tiffany. he's married and he's 21. Oh, Tiffany's Bianca's daughter. Tiffany is white. That's not realistic. So in London. Keegan... Cool, blimey. Don't get judgmental, Olivia. <laughs> yes, it is. It's love. So when he gets coming home to his married wife and he's stressed and he's upset and angry about like the challenges that come with being a black young man, he just doesn't quite get it. And the other day she was like, it's not just because you're black. I have issues because I'm gender. And I just thought to myself, I thought, sis, I get it. I get that you have disadvantages and limitations and setbacks being ginger. It's not quite the same as being black, if I can just point out. So anyway, oh I just want to let everybody know to my fans. I'm joking. I just want to let anyone know, like, just 
EastEnders is really covering the story. Like, do you guys right remember there was a scene and she's talking to I don't know is it her boyfriend or someone she's dating at the time or something along this yeah, line yeah, yeah. this white guy um, and she says you don't understand he called me the P word and he turns around he's like I understand I'm Irish <laughs> He was like, I understand. No, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. The same. You could just say mm, and be empathetic. You could have pulled so your tongue. You should have sat there and ate your food. <laughs> exactly. I went to the screening of the film Farming. I don't know if any of you guys have seen it. If you haven't seen it, it's literally one of the best films I've seen all year. Very difficult to watch, but well worth it. Like I don't think I'll ever see it again, but I'm, and I would encourage everybody to see it at least once. Um, and it's essentially about young black kids from African countries being farmed into England and being adopted or fostered by white people. Um, and this boy talks about oh, his experience yes, yes, about getting caught trailer. up with a skinhead gang. So he becomes part of this part of the skinhead gang. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And farming. Uh, it came out last year, I think. What's it called again? Sorry. Farming. Farming. Okay. Um, but I went to this Q&A, this screening with the Q&A and, you know, lots of people were chiming in about their experiences. And, um, you know, I think myself and my girlfriend, Jeline, made some comments about, you know, it would be nice if this was like a safe, safer, if this felt space felt safer for us to have certain discussions. And, you know, I think, you know, in order to focus on the issues that the protagonist felt it would have been nice because it's really a difficult film and and I don't say this about watching many black films but this is a really difficult film to watch like you see some you see a a boy hang himself like it's it's intense um and it was just very uncomfortable because this white woman and so this white woman chimed in and she was just like you know I just want to say that I don't want to make this a black thing because I'm disabled And I think Ooh. that, you know, I know what it's like to be, to feel like a black man. And I was huh? like, what? No, and of course, like, was she white? Out. Yeah, she was white. And I'm like, boo, I'm not saying that it's not rough to be disabled. And I don't even make comparisons. because mm. I don't know. Mm. I would never say, oh, I know what it feels like to be disabled. You know what I mean? Because I don't. Mm. So in the same vein, you don't know what it's like to be a black man in that time period being farmed into a country that he's never lived in before and being surrounded by white people. It is not the oppression Olympics. You don't win a gold medal for being... (laughs) When people do that, you completely ignore intersections. And it's just such a... It's just such a pointless exercise to be like, I know what it feels like to be disadvantaged because I'm this. And someone's like, yeah, but you're not that. And it just goes round and round and round and it doesn't actually change anything. And unless we understand the differences between what it feels like to be a disabled person from the voice of a disabled person and what it feels like to be a young black man in a white majority space from a young black man that lives in a white majority space, then we'll never understand each other. So particularly now when like everything is so online and digital and um, the way that we communicate is so digital, emojis are definitely something which uh, stir a lot of controversy. And this idea of whether you can blackfish through emojis um and it's really funny because i actually had this incident at work maybe like a couple of months ago and this white woman who's actually quite high profile i was texting her and set up an interview and 
whenever she did like a thumbs up or like a peace sign, <laughs> whether she was using black emojis, and I, <laughs> and I just thought <laughs> what the end of she kept doing it. She didn't do it more, she did it more than once, so it's clearly set to black. stop. She was in her voice, but this is someone who she no, but this is someone who works in technology. Wait, just to be clear, she's white, right? How to change the color emoji? Like she definitely was just was not doing it by accident, and she she kept doing it. Like she did, she did it more than once, and I just thought (laughs) this doesn't quite feel right. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, what are your guys' thoughts on on that whole kind of scenario? Um. I don't know how I feel about it yet. Someone else in the WhatsApp group brought this up. And initially when they asked, I was like, yeah, I'm not a fan. I don't like it. And it's like what you had said, Livs, before about kind of why do you, why do white people want to use it? Like, it's clearly not for you. You know, in the same way that, like, why are you so pressed about using the N-word? Like, why would you want to use it? Um, and then one of the women in the WhatsApp group said that when her friends, her white friends, are referring to her, like if they're saying, hey, hope you had a good gym workout, and they use a brown emoji because they're talking about her, she doesn't have a problem with it. And I was like, white okay, because I don't know what some, uh, clearly I don't have any white, um, <laughs> white English friends. So I was trying to think about it. I was like, what would I do if one of my white friends in the states sent me a brown emoji talking about me and I was like I don't know but then what if they sent me a regular white emoji I'm like mm-hmm. but I'm not white I because I use the brown emojis re- religiously if you did a thumbs up it's the idea is that it's your thumb though right so you would do a white thumb you don't become them <laughs> well, yeah, yeah but if I'm talking about your, your like if I'm <laughs> No, but suppose they're talking about you. Like, suppose they're saying, um, you know, how much muscle did you build today? And instead of using muscle, they're using like I the emoji. So they're talking the about your arm. religiously, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. for Maybe thing. my mom. Most of the time, it's anymore. Just emoji. <laughs> I like, I always use black emojis no matter who I'm talking to. Even to white people. Yeah. Stop so, and yeah, then, no, literally always, that. unless I'm like <laughs> specifically describing, yeah, unless I'm specifically describing them or something that they're doing, like, um, I don't know, the graduation emoji and like, happy graduation, but if my white friends, it'll be the white one. I've never thought that but deeply about it. I don't think about it the other Yeah, exactly. Like, well, I don't think about it the other hand. Until you gave your example, Livs, because if that happened to me, that would actually bother me because I just yeah, think unnecessary. I don't know why she felt the need to do it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I think I'm like Rihanna, yeah, but I'm a bit like on the fence. I don't really know. But then I think you know me on the podcast. I don't really care about a lot of these things. But I just feel like with with the, with the Livs example with that, in my head, I would just be laughing like, "What a dickhead! <laughs> why? Why are you going out of your way?" Because the thing is. Because the people that made these phones are racist, they set it up to the white thing. So she has to hold it down. And then yeah, so you have to go. Shade the limbs. So that's why it's bad now, because I'm doing it on purpose. With her glasses, her phone is, her phone's up to her nose, trying to find the right shade. Like, she's just doing too much. She, she probably thinks she's that way to do that. To no, but there was no reason like, why okay, she would know that you I was can black. Do that. 
because this is this is this is the oh. text we're exchanging before the oh, interview. Really? So she has not met me. She doesn't know what I look like. <laughs> What? So that's what I'm saying. I think oh, it's just wow. that she exactly she even know. Oh, that's it's weird. Just... Then why is she doing that? <laughs> she's, she's not hard. She's not. She's got a point. It's very strange. That's weird. <laughs> that adds a whole new level of weirdness to it. Yeah. Oh. She wouldn't have looked you up, would she? That's what I was thinking. Yeah, but even then, it's just like you're doing too much. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because then it's like I'm yeah. trying to look cool. Like I'm trying to look That's like I'm down with black like, people. She's had it too much. She's from the, the end. thing about emojis. Yeah, I think it's like it definitely is not that deep. Like there's definitely bigger fish to fry, which is why. So when I'm doing, <laughs> you know, I can't always be when angry. I, when I'm gosh, I have one life to live. I've been going when to I'm doing social angry, media for work. Actually, <laughs> so when it's on a public platform, I always use the yellow one, just because you can't be offended anyone when you use the yellow one because it's just a generic. Exactly. So, precisely. Know, you, like, yeah, I don't know why people want to cause drama when there's no need. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure that I use the brown emoji Your enough first one, that it's it? already like yeah. in my predicted text. Yeah. So, I if I was talking to a white person, actually, so even within this podcast, when we've had to like message people for various yeah, reasons but I would probably they'd that. probably get the brown <laughs> I think it'd be weird <laughs> oh no I'm just saying like if I were it would just come even if I whoever I was messaging it would still probably just come up as a brown emoji like some white man oh so basically like except that he is not except that he's not <laughs> black <laughs> your authentic self, <laughs> so I'm just being myself <laughs> So, what do you guys do in your daily lives that to you represents being pro-black? Um, well, for me, especially in the like, basically, ever since I started working and in like my working life, it kind of really brought to my attention kind of the um, how much harder we have to work as black people to just even get in certain spaces, and. Now I'm kind of in a position where I'm fortunate enough to be able to bring other people in. So I kind of go out of my way to whenever we need um, contributors or collaborators or designers, whoever, I will always make sure that I'm bringing in either a black person or a diverse person in some way, someone from a marginalized group, because I personally feel like there are so many white people on our radar anyway that it just needs someone... Um, with that ability to bring other people in to kind of open those doors to other people so that's what I personally like to do like in my day say in terms of like work and stuff and also just um, supporting black platforms and events especially where I can and one um, platform that I want to shout out that does this really really well is BYP Network um, run by QK on a window Um, because I feel like a lot of black businesses struggle in the fact that they don't have enough financial support and she's doing a really good job in investing in some of those businesses so yeah she's doing an amazing job <laughs> you want negative negative to go next um who wants to go next i mean i would say that uh, <laughs> i would just to follow off the back of what leanne said i think mine is um pretty similar um i work with an organization that's all about uplifting women's voices and talking about women's issues and seeing the world from a female perspective so whether that's issues of domestic abuse or rape or the gender pay gap or you know 
lack of um, gender equality, et cetera, et cetera. And I think I'm someone who will definitely be like, um, who, who will acknowledge that life for black women is very different. Um, so that comes, that's kind of my passion that I bring to work that comes from like a personal perspective, um, but also is very much pro-black and, you know, as Leanne said, raising the voices of those who may not otherwise necessarily get a public platform. Um, I think for me, but similarly, professionally, I try to to do that as much as possible is to, uh, you know, work with, engage in partnerships with, um, you know, other Black people. And then by virtue of my work in terms of my academic interests, obviously, I do research around sexual violence and kind of justice reform in minority communities. And I focus specifically on Jamaica. I think my entire life is, you know, being Black and just kind of supporting and empowering the Black community is just really, really important to me. And so where I can, I will. And where where I where I can, I, I really try to dope Black women. Obviously, us being a part of this platform and kind of pushing it forward, I think is really important for Black women for us to be able to offer this space. And I do think, um, you know, it's contributing to the Black community generally. Um, yeah, and I think I just try to to speak on these issues wherever I am. Like, I don't care where I am, who I'm talking to. I don't ever feel like I shouldn't have a space or a voice to talk about issues like this or issues that are important to me as a Black woman. Sometimes people get tired of that or annoyed with it. But Let them it, get tired. I, it doesn't deter me in any way. Shape, we'll, or stick, we'll, stick, we'll keep talking. Yeah. Let them get tired. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think there is any aspect of my life where I don't consider my Blackness. Um, I think that someone say that would be owing to the fact that I'm always authentic in my blackness, no matter where I am, who I'm with, what I'm doing. Like, I don't ever diminish that or try to, like, lessen that or in, in any way or dilute it in whatever space I'm in. And I guess, again, how I mentioned earlier about working in a role that serves black audiences. And then also by, like, my involvement in Dope Black Women, by putting a lot and a lot of time and effort into supporting and champion, championing, is that a word? Championing championing oh my gosh wow championing black woman <laughs> black woman yeah i think it's funny that you i get that you don't like labels but like i black can't black imagine black anybody black. saying she's not black enough like she doesn't love her black people it's just exactly you pro black b you just don't <laughs> like labels which is fine this is the dope black women podcast so um it is, I think this is week three since uh, the UK went into official lockdown. Um, how are you guys coping? How are you doing? <sighs> <laughs> Tell us um, Well, I'm officially on day 30 of lockdown because we started working from home before the official lockdown was announced. Um... Okay, to be fair, some days are better than others, and I just need to remind myself that that's just a perfectly normal way to feel because these are not normal circumstances. Um, but yeah, I'm fine, just missing my family, but we'll be seeing them hopefully soon. But I'm just keeping myself entertained by just doing all the things that I just, mm. just didn't have the headspace to do when we were oh, nine nice. to five in. So um, I'm currently trying to learn Portuguese. Yeah, I know language is definitely a cool one. I think the thing that I'm really struggling with is the idea that there's no end date. The idea of not yeah. knowing how long this is actually going to go in for. If someone could tell me, yeah, this is until May, I'd be like, okay, cool. That is something to work towards. 
but there isn't. And part of the reason there isn't yeah. is because some people feel like they're more important. Like the amount of people that are disobeying is stressing me out. I've seen pictures in the newspaper of people going to the beach, people <laughs> hanging out in groups in parks, Pissing me off. people having parties. Like Pardon? And um, in Manchester, they had yeah. to shut down like six hundred parties um, over the past two months, and that—that's the what? part that's stressing me out. Because I'm like, why do you? Oh my god, that's crazy! I'm, in, I'm just sitting in my four walls whilst you lot are having a party. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I've been doing this for over now, and I think it's just a bit mad. I think at the beginning, I was in a really, really dark headspace. Because I didn't realise how much time... As much as I love being indoors, it's very different being indoors and being forced to be indoors. Mm-hmm. Like, I shouldn't feel guilty for going to the shop to get a can of dietary coke. Exactly. You know what I mean? And I feel like it's just a bit <laughs> so mad. Specific, at the it. beginning, I was very, like... <laughs> I feel like my mind was going crazy. Like, I thought... I don't know what... Was, I just... I felt like I was in a scary movie or something. Like, at the beginning, it was just nuts. It was, like, crazy, mm. crazy, crazy. And I was, like, going out of my way to try and find things to be busy and try and do this and try and do that. Whereas now, after, like, the first week or week and a half, no, maybe a week, I was like, I'm not going to try and find things to be busy. I'm just going to do what I would normally do, which is create to-do list for the week, create to-do list for the day, and then just stick to them. And now I've been living life normal. It just so happens I'm in a house rather than, like, going to work. It's been a lot better. So I've been, like genuinely like happy mm. and like like genuinely like actually happy other than like the last two days they were a bit so not today but like yesterday the day before I went back into like a really like quite dark place again but I think it was just where like I was on like such a high for such a long time and it was just like eventually you're gonna have to dip and that was like my dip and then now I'm like going back up again but I think um, where I struggle a lot is because of course, I always talk about my siblings, but I haven't been with them in so long. Mm. And I'm with them all the time. I'm talking to them all the time. They're literally like my children. Mm. So imagine a mum not being around the, her child. And mm. I know it sounds dramatic because I'm not a mum, so I don't actually know what it feels like. But like my, my siblings feel like my kids, even my brother, who's like 17, 10, 18. So like yesterday, that was just how I had to combat that, basically, mm. by being around them, which I should not have really done, but. I feel like my, my mental health has to come first. Would you want me to die from suicide or die from corona? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's difficult. And I think, like, as Leanne said, it's okay to have those bad days because it's a very unusual situation. Mm. Um, and it's something that none of us can prepare for and none of us mm. have been through. Like, there hasn't been a pandemic like this for over 100 years. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's the most frustrating thing because it's like, at the start, I was like, oh, all these courses I'm going to do. Or yeah. this, blah, blah. How long am I going to be here? Like, right now, I'm, binge- I'm literally stocking up all of my extenders. So, like, if it comes to the point where we're in, like, June, like, you know, you know, like, a lot of people are doing all the things they like a lot. I'm, like, in reverse. So, I'm doing, like, normal stuff. And then once it starts getting, like, really unbearable, then I've got all of the stuff to binge. So, I haven't watched Disney Plus yet. I haven't binged Netflix. I think I said, mm-hmm. like, two weeks ago that I started The Greenleaf. I stopped, I stopped watching that. So that I can come back to it. Like, I've just stopped all the escapism stuff. So I'm literally living life, like, really normal. I'm not binging any podcast. So that when it gets really, really bad, I have all of that content then. Because otherwise, what, what people are going to do? Mm. Start painting? That's a good idea. And <clears throat> you know what? <laughs> we're, so, we're so harsh on ourselves <laughs> in our day-to-days anyway. Like, we're so hard on ourselves. And people are being really hard on themselves now, being like, you've got all this extra time, you should be able to do this, do that, oh, do whatever. Yeah. But actually, take just take time. Take lots of time for rest. 
I think, especially, no, honestly, I, I think, especially for mm. creatives, happen, I was like, yeah, I can do this, <laughs> I can do that, yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, actually, what that is, is burning out, it's burning the fuck out. Just chill out and think about all the times when you're coming home from work late at midnight, mm. 1 a.m., or if you're up doing DJ sets till five in the morning, like whatever you're doing like, as a creative, all of those extra hours you're spending, you can now spend that time differently. You can now coordinate your, your day and, and schedule a bit differently. So you can be a bit nicer to yourself of how you're going to use your day. Do you know what I mean? I think I had to message one of my, one of my best friends. One of my best friends does mm. like, just rap, just poetry. And I messaged her and I said, because she's been given the furlough mm. thing. And I was like, is it called furlough? Furlough. Okay, good. Um, but I have to say, what you can be thinking, it's a great time to music and now doing all of these things. But don't be pressured by doing all of that. Do you know what I mean? Find time to enjoy just being you. Like, when was the last time you actually spent a lot of time with just being you? And I put up a thing on our Instagram page of facing the news, doing a funny skit about being talking to herself all the time. And I genuinely resonated with that. I find it very funny. But also, when we're so busy in our lives, we don't have time to just be ourselves and just, like understand why we do certain things and why we act in certain ways in certain spaces do you know what I mean this is such a great time for personal development looking at our character flaws building like writing to do this thinking mm. about holidays we want to go on next year mm. like reflecting on our social friends and our group do we really need that girl as our friend is that guy we're dating really progressive towards our mental health do you know what I mean like, this is a really good time to sit down just write one mm. thing down you know I think what Leanne said about being kind to yourself is a big thing because which I totally appreciate for some people it's like yes motivation to do exercise mm. and all that but like it's totally about how you phrase it and how you say it and you know the last thing people need is to feel guilty about snacking at 2am thank you very much <laughs> I, think, I think you sound a bit I, 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 I'm saying okay yes I went for my day walk but I also ate a pudding okay so what about it <laughs> and definitely you know your routine you're going your body is going to change because you're out of routine for a lot of people who used to go to the gym you're gonna get a little soft around the sides it's okay Mm. <laughs> yeah no because I, I keep trying to build my routine and somehow it always gets derailed and it feels because I'm busy do- like it's because I'm busy doing something else but actually it's just because I get distracted and I I do think that if I'm going to be here for the long haul especially because I'm technically unemployed at the moment because <laughs> I obviously quit my job right before um, the quarantine kind of came into play so um, you know, I'm working on my own stuff and trying to build a routine out of my own stuff um, while kind of working remotely on this new project for my new job, um, which is difficult because it's it's weird yeah. starting a new job in the midst of a quarantine. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, I try to do good things for Ooh, myself yeah, all day, yes, uh, you know, but as much as I possibly can. So today Ooh, I gave myself a pedicure. My birthday is on Friday, so I've ordered myself a cake. Listen, and listeners, I'm gonna cook myself a really nice so meal yeah. and Ooh. have dinner outside in the sun. Hey, the one. We were gonna beef over the mac and cheese. <laughs> we were going to go to war. <laughs> if I had, to, if I was in prison and I needed that last meal, I'm picking yeah, the mac and cheese. Just <laughs> the yeah. mac and cheese. I'm still freaking. I'm still upset. Oh, Liz, stop. Can you imagine we've, worry, we've been like worry. rationing on everything? So I haven't made a mac and cheese since quarantine has started because birthday. I'm like, wish I can't waste the pasta. Fit yourself for your birthday then. 
And I'm getting my cake from Brixton Cake Shop. Big up Brixton Cake Shop who has support. Yeah, oh, their delivery well, and takeaway. So if nice, you are in you. the area. Actually, they deliver to your area, Shan. Um, lavish, honey. Lavish. A career. Yeah, so I'm getting it. I'm getting a career. <laughs> so, so. Yes, you can. You can drive there. Well, I can't very well go all the way to Brixton just to get the cake. Somebody would arrest you. You want some cake officer? Thank you. Hope that you are keeping well and healthy and happy during this very strange time. Um, if you need something to keep you busy and to keep you um, entertained, go back and listen to our episodes. They're all there. They're all available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. Um, before we go, Leanne has a little message about our WhatsApp community. Um, yeah, so guys, if you are interested in joining the WhatsApp group, please just click the link in any of our bios on our socials so instagram twitter facebook <laughs> the link is there um alternatively if you slide into one of our dms we can also assist you you are a man because you will not be allowed into the group but yeah but not for the purposes of joining dbw if you want to date her by all means go ahead but yeah um, so any adult black woman that wants to join the group, slide into any of our DMs or just, again, click the link tree um, link in any of our socials and we will get about adding you. We might take a little while because the waiting list is extremely long and we're figuring out how to, how to manage all of that. But yeah. We'll be back with you next week. Until then, stay blessed and unapologetically black. All the way black. Blackly black. Fantastic. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs>